I'm Nuria martinez Keel, And I'm Dale Denwalt. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. COVID-19 shocked the state economy and it changed the landscape of Oklahoma's workforce. Some industries are clawing their way back while many have not yet recovered. Dale recently took a deep dive into the state of Oklahoma's workforce, specifically how different industries and sectors have been impacted during the pandemic. It's a fascinating story that you can read at oklahoman.com. Dale, where did you get your data from and did any of it surprise you? Right. So this data came from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the federal uh, agency that uh, conducts surveys um, and creates estimates based on uh, the results of those surveys um, to tell us uh, how many people are working in each uh, sector. Um, it's it's broken down uh, as as deep as it can go. Like for Oklahoma, uh, for example, you won't find it broken down into people who do uh, like logging jobs because logging isn't that big of an industry in Oklahoma, but um, you do see uh, detailed uh, data for um, oil and gas or for certain types of manufacturing. Uh, and so that that's where this information comes from. Um, now, as for the question of whether it surprised me, uh, I think when I got all the data into a spreadsheet and I color-coded everything, um, and and sort of ran the the algorithm so to speak ran the analysis to 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 show me um the the, the answers that i was looking for it really surprised me to see such a stark drop off in the number of people employed in just about every industry up and down the line um uh, where like january of 2020 you know it was uh, it was one thing but as soon as you got to march everything just about everything went completely red, meaning that um, it uh, all these people were out of a job. And another thing that kind of surprised me was uh, looking up and down the list to see that there were some industries that actually gained employees. It's sometimes given the um, unemployment calamity that we saw back in the spring, it almost seems hard to believe industries gaining employees. We'll touch on that. Uh, but I want to ask first, which industries took the biggest hit during the pandemic and, and have they you know, managed to recover yet? Well, it was pretty clear that when the pandemic began, uh, when the pandemic began, the, the biggest hit was to restaurants, um, about 44 percent of restaurant workers lost their job uh, in the first month after the pandemic. Um, it's really quite staggering if you if you think about it uh, from how many people there are working in the restaurant industry and, and all of a sudden they don't have a place to go to work because, uh, you know, dining rooms are shut down. Um, a lot of restaurants voluntarily closed um, and, and changed the way that they operate. Plus, people out in the community – um, may not have felt safe going to uh, a restaurant, at least dining in. And, and that's why you saw um, at least some restaurants smartly uh, begin to, to uh, offer uh, delivery or pickup at the curb uh, options. Um, in the meantime, since then, 
However, restaurants have really bounced back. Uh, the month that I had the most recent data for in November, restaurants actually were uh, slightly above their uh, uh, their usual level of employment for that month. Uh, I think about three percent, which is uh, it's it's within the the margin of error, I think. And um, so, it, since the pandemic began, I think restaurants have um, managed to recover. I think more than anybody. Um, uh, a couple of others that took a, a really big hit. Um, uh, the office—I um, I don't know if there's an office industry, but but B- the BLS, the federal government, does sort of classify office support workers, administration, clerical, uh, things like that. If if you work in an office, supporting an office, um, you're in this category, and and they really really did get hit pretty hard, um, and uh, unfortunately haven't recovered that much. Uh, and, and that's, I think, understandable because uh, um, if your business works out of an office, you're probably working from home, if possible, um, over the past year. Um, the arts took a really big hit, like theaters, museums. Um, that was really one of the hardest hit because it's it wasn't necessarily deemed essential. Um, and, uh, and, and also you you pack people in tight into a movie theater. Right. Um, and, and so health officials really didn't want that. Uh, and so I think that's why we've seen the employment in at theaters and at museums and other sort of arts related, um, industries, uh, go way down. I think about 20%. Um, another one that, that might get lost in the shuffle is oil and gas, the energy industry. They did, uh, have a, a pretty steep fall off in employment when the pandemic began, but their, uh, their sort of decline started actually in 2019 uh, with the broader energy industry as a whole um, and sort of the cyc- cyclical nature of, of how the industry works. They, they'd been losing employees since uh, t- 2019, but then kind of went right off a cliff. Um, um, not as big as restaurants, but, but still uh, kind of went off that cliff when the pandemic began. And and reading through your story, I found it so interesting that certain companies actually did better during the pandemic than before. Which businesses were those? Why, why did, why do you think they did so well? Right. So this was one of the things that surprised me, you know, um, if, if you think about it long enough, I'm sure you can, assume that some industries would, uh, would fare better during a pandemic just because of the services that they offer. Um, but the, the, the significance of the, uh, of the, of the increases in some of those were really surprising. Um, if you look at, uh, uh, the, the BLS classifies it as, uh, general merchandise stores. And I think basically they're just talking about, uh, retail stores, big box stores like Walmart, Target, Costco, uh, places like that, um, the, the the level of employment was consistently higher than their historical employment for that particular month, all the way through the pandemic, I think up to even 10% more. Uh, there was a, a lot of hiring when the pandemic began. I think uh, um, uh, Walmart, I think, hired a, a couple of thousand people across the state uh, to to help sort of get through this panic buying phase that people had when the pandemic began. If you remember, you couldn't get toilet paper. You couldn't get a lot of groceries because people were stocking up and 
because of that, uh, Walmart and these other big box stores had to hire more people to uh, to stock the shelves and to move stuff out to the curb and 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 so on and so forth. And um, as far as gainers, the, the those retail stores were by by far by far and away the biggest gainers during the pandemic. Um, you also saw some workforce improvement in the finance sector, uh, particularly among credit institutions. Um, I think one reason for that, uh, we can explain it by the the number of, uh, of government programs that businesses uh, were able to apply for, that they had to go through a bank. Um, so your, your local bank or the bank chain that you go to uh, probably hired a few people to uh, to handle all of the uh, the business applications and the billions of dollars that were coming in from the federal government uh, to help them out. And I'll mention one more industry that gained, at least in Oklahoma, and that was the aerospace manufacturing sector. Um, this one isn't so easily explainable, right? Because there's nothing specific about aerospace manufacturing that you can say that, oh, when we have a pandemic, this goes way up, right? And I think it has more to do with the momentum that Oklahoma already had going into uh, the pandemic that um, these oil and gas manufacturing shops, basically workshops, like you make uh, a metal part for this or that, uh, they were going from making parts for downhole drilling equipment, and now they're making parts for uh, for aircraft and and other aerospace uh, um, jobs, right? So I think that sort of saw a natural increase uh, because a lot of the a lot of the uh, aircraft manufacturing contracts is it's a long process. And uh, I think probably a lot of the contracts that people are working on now have been in the works for a long time, well before the pandemic. And so I think that's uh, another reason why you see employment in that sector actually going up a little bit. I really enjoyed reading your interviews with the people owning and running these businesses. What's this experience been like for them? So the it was really hard kind of asking these questions. Because some of these businesses, especially the smaller you get, they're they're like a family, right? And so talking to these business owners and, and you ask them, well, what did you do when you realized that you couldn't stay open? And, and it was a really hard choice for these guys and gals, these, these people, these business owners, that they had to look at their employees in, in the face and say, we have to close the doors. You know, I can't pay you, or we have to come to some kind of a arrangement. Um, the ones that I talked to uh, worked as hard as they could to either um, to make sure that their employees had the unemployment uh, that was available to them, or um, paid them what they could, or uh, changed how they were doing things so that maybe they could take on a different job in the organization rather than the job that they were doing that wasn't really needed during a pandemic. Um, fortunately for the ones that, that got on unemployment, um, the federal government did extend unemployment benefits um, uh, in some cases, basically like, just think of it like they, like they doubled what you could get um, and you could be on it for longer 
and um, and it was a little bit easier to acquire these unemployment benefits because so many people were were going uh, and filing their claims. Um, and, and one business I talked to, to kind of round out your question here, um, uh, a business called uh, Plenty Mercantile. It's a, a small boutique, kind of a retail, um, uh, independent retail establishment here in the metro. Uh, they actually had a, a few employees voluntarily take a leave of absence, right? So these, these more often than not were people who really didn't need the job. They just wanted the job for to have something to do every day uh, or to have some sort of social interaction. Maybe they were tired or they didn't need to work or whatever. And, and they would just go into this uh, retail store and, and talk to people and sell them goods all day long. Um, uh, fortunately for that business, uh, they told me that, um, they had a few people who were, who who said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and go off the payroll. I don't I don't actually need the job, so you can save that money for someone who who uh, who does need the paycheck." That's pretty remarkable. And, and a quote that jumped out at me was from Brittany Matlock, the owner of, of Plenty Mercantile. She used the government programs and grants that were available to her to keep her boutique afloat. It sounds like she also um, had a little bit of leeway with some staff agreeing to work uh, without their regular um, wages. Um, she said, and, and this is her quote, we worked really hard, but there are things that have aligned for us that are outside of our control. And we are incredibly thankful and aware that it is not all due to hard, hard work. It sounds like government support was a lifeline for a small business like hers. And for so many more, um, not just hers. Um, I, I, I can't even uh, begin to remember how many businesses and how many billions of dollars across the country received some kind of government assistance, whether it was the Paycheck Protection Program or another program called IDLE. But, um, you know, it was more than just about those government programs, right? You know, th- those are those were hard enough to get. You had to go through a bank and, and fill out a bunch of paperwork. And, and there, there's also an opportunity for some organizations, some businesses to, to receive grants, um, and and plenty mercantile was was one of those. I think I think Brittany told me that they ended up applying for sixteen different grants um, to help pay their employees and keep their business open. And they ended up getting I think three. Um, so you know those were uh, some, some of the, the the other options that that were available. So that you know during this pandemic when everybody's hurting, you, you don't really have to go through it alone. As long as you know what options are out there as long as you're smart enough to pivot your business if you need to and and realize that, uh, that there are programs available to help. So obviously we've been talking about the the levels of 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 unemployment and uh, you know who's been able to keep a job and who hasn't. It, it's been very apparently clear that COVID-19 has been incredibly disruptive to the lives of employees. Um, Dale, can, can you take us through the unemployment situation in Oklahoma? I'm just thinking back to how many people um, were relying on unemployment funds, uh, especially in, in the immediate aftermath of the pandemic. What is it looking like now? How, how, how have things changed? Um, the, the graph that I look at to see the most up-to-date employment or unemployment data, um, it's really remarkable. The graph goes back several decades, 
and the way the graph looks now. It basically looks like a straight line, right, for decades. And then all of a sudden in 2020, it jumps up higher than it's ever been um, by multiple factors, right? Uh, it's, it's unemployment. It, it's hard to understand unless you um, saw the lines in person during the, uh, the unemployment uh, claims events that we had in Oklahoma, um, or if you, you know, run a business yourself, or if you look at this data, the unemployment data, it's hard to really understand the scope of how different this event was to the workforce than anything we've ever experienced. And, you know, this is, you know, forget about 2018, right? The, um, the, in 2008, the, the, the mortgage crisis and, uh, for, you know, even I think probably the great, great depression, um, unemployment situation is just so incredibly high compared to any other previous year. And, and let me give you an example. Um, the continuing claims data, that is the people who uh, are continuing a previous week's unemployment request, right, to get benefits. Um, that is usually in, uh, before the pandemic started, that was usually about 17,000 people a week in Oklahoma. So 17,000 every week filed their second or third or fourth or whatever claim. These are people who are somewhat chronically unemployed for, for one reason right. or another. For, for more than one week, right? That number, when the pandemic began, spiked from 17,000 to 182,000 in, in just the span of a few weeks. Now, after almost a year of this pandemic, back down to 36,000, right? But that's still twice as many continuing claims for unemployment as we had before the pandemic began. So twice as many people remain unemployed compared to the previous, uh, you know, a year ago. Um, I also took a look at initial claims. These are the first-time unemployment filers. They may be may, they may only be on there for a week, and they may sort of fall over into the continuing claims category. But initial claims, the first-time unemployment claims, is still five or six times higher than before the pandemic started. So every week we get like something like six or seven thousand brand new unemployment claims. Before the pandemic, it was about one or two thousand, and and that's so interesting because it's not just like certain people who have been unemployed since March, let's say, are are still unemployed. It's not the same pot of people. These are new people who who maybe had found some employment and now that that job is no longer available to them. I, I just seems so interesting when you think about the weight that this pandemic still has on our economy. It's, it's, uh, you don't want to think about it too long or else it makes you sad. <laughs> Thankfully though, um, the, the federal government did step in initially with some pandemic specific unemployment benefits that go on top of the regular ones that, that people get. Um, for instance, in, in 2009, if you went unemployed, you would get 26 weeks of benefits through the state. 
Um, when the pandemic started, they they doubled that, and then they threw an extra. I think it was like six hundred dollars on top of that per week, so that you could you could remain on unemployment for um, for way longer than you usually could, and you would get a little bit extra cash. They also expanded it uh, the unemployment benefits to be able um, to go to people who wouldn't otherwise get benefits, like if you were self-employed or if you were a gig worker, like you worked for Uber, um, then you, these unemployment benefits would be open to you. Um, those benefits expired, that program expired in December, and one of the last things that uh, President Trump did was sign a, an extension package that extended uh, basically those same extra benefits through March. Um, however, we're sitting here, it's February, the pandemic is not over. I don't think it's going to be over anytime soon, even though, you know, we're getting a lot of people vaccinated. Um, it's still, we're still nowhere to pre-pandemic levels of employment or economy. And um, these unemployment benefits uh, are going to go away. They're going to expire in, in March. So, you know, I guess we're, we'll wait to see if Congress and, and President Biden are going to come up with anything to uh, to extend this even more for people who might still be out of work. Is there any positive outlook we can look forward to in 2021? Well, I guess anybody can see a silver lining if you look hard enough. But, you know, it, it really all depends on the vaccine rollout, um, how many people get the vaccine whether there are enough doses available for the people who want to get the vaccine and uh, how quickly people can get their second dose. Um, the more people who get vaccinated, the more I think people are going to be willing to go out, engage in the economy, go out back into the public, um, go out and hire people um, to work these jobs that disappeared 11 months ago. And it also has to do with uh, a shift in behavior. So if any, you know, it, good, good things are going to happen, bad things are going to happen. Um, we can possibly look forward to uh, different industries um, that pop up because people are acting differently. Yeah, if you think about how we lived our lives a year ago, it's vastly different than how we live our lives now. Um, we use a lot of uh, services. We use a lot of delivery services. I know that I use Postmates and Uber Eats a lot more. Um, and uh, I get my groceries delivered. There are a lot of sort of last mile, um, last mile economy, I think, is really growing because people see or forced to see the convenience of it. And, and the companies that provide this are getting a lot more efficient at providing those services. So I think it really comes down to the, the vaccine and um, how people will interact with the economy uh, once this things really starts to, once the pandemic starts to go away. Um, it's it's going to be positive for some and, and probably um, some businesses will fail, but I think uh, depending on, on how people choose to interact with their economy, uh, you could see some surprising new ways of of, uh, of having a business, um, in, you know, in the next couple of years. 
Like I said at the beginning, this is a really fascinating dive into the status of Oklahoma's workforce, and I encourage everybody to check out the story if they can. Dale, thanks so much for taking us through that. Well, and, and thanks for giving me the chance to talk about it. Uh, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for joining us this week. Uh, this podcast is possible because of the Oklahoma subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. Uh, you can read my story and more uh, every day at the Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma.com. You check back next Friday for a new episode of The Source.